Hey, this is your host Shane with a super exciting episode all about lapidary. We are going to talk about just about every aspect of lapidary that you can imagine. So stay tuned. On the first part of the journey, I was looking at radical rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand, hills, and rings. The first thing I found was a geocrystals, quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard, but the gems were there to be found. I've been through the desert, found a rock with no name Felt good to have in my hand In the desert, you can find lots of rocks Cause radical rocks are everywhere That's right, radical rocks are everywhere um, Today, we're going to talk about what to do with those rocks We are going to talk all about lapidary How to do lapidary we will talk about the history of lapidary, types of gemstones, from precious to semi-precious to rocks that can be used for lapidary. We're going to talk about lapidary tools and equipment. We'll talk about lapidary techniques. We will talk about gemstone selection and preparation. We will talk about lapidary safety and maintenance finishing, polishing, and we will talk about lapidary as a hobby or business and um, and then have a little review afterwards. So this is a, another special edition that we are working on where we will go through a big topic and the majority of the show or all of the show will be about that topic. That'll be the majority of it. Sometimes at the end, we'll have a little variety. If you want to stay tuned and stay on the podcast for a little bit longer, you can hear some of the current uh, topics that I have found for your entertainment and education, if that is what you want. So, um, you can follow us on social media. Let's see, I did not... uh, Oh, I got it right here. You can find us at... uh, mewe.com backslash join backslash Radical Rocks or if you already have a MeWe account just look up Radical Rocks and you'll find us. There's uh, several groups there. The Lapidary uh, Radical Rocks Lapidary one is our most popular with about 5,000 members. Also YouTube you can find us at Radical Rocks and uh, enjoy many videos there. There is also Blogspot at Radical Rocks USA at blogspot.com where you can uh, download some of this uh, information and um, so on and so forth. So um, with that, uh, happy Father's Day to all you fathers who had Father's Day last weekend. And hmm, what else? What else? I am going to go on a fishing trip next weekend. So I know I'm late right now. Usually try to get it out on Monday or uh Tuesday, and I I think today's Tuesday. I've been working nights, so I've got uh, a lot of things going on. So we'll try to get something out next week, but no guarantee. So with that, let's get right into lapidary. This is going to be quite the episode, so hang on tight. Again, lapidary, all about lapidary. Uh, First of all, you know me. My name is Shane. I've been rock hounding. I've been uh, collecting fossils, minerals, and rocks since I was a little boy with my grandpa and um, was quite a big gold prospector. My dad and I used to go out to the different claims out in uh, Kern County, out in that area, out in San Bernardino County, up in the mountains. We had uh, gold mining claims. We had tungsten claims. Never got real super serious like my great-grandfather did uh, by processing it, but uh, we did uh, get some assays done and things of that sort. My grandpa was lapidary, also did goldsmithing, and uh, as I got older, I joined a lapidary club and finally started to go out on actual rock-hounding trips and um, have accumulated many rocks and been on many trips around the west uh, 
southwest, mostly the southwest, but now up into Idaho and other areas. Collected rocks from uh, around the world and uh, tried to learn as much as I can from, from those in the club and uh, that have taught me a lot. And what I have gleaned from my own uh, experience and education and so on. So I'm going to try to share some of that with you today. The history of lapidary, we're going to talk about uh, some of the origin of lapidary, how it has kind of uh, developed to a modern lapidary today. We'll kind of go over that a little bit, not too in-depth. Uh, many significant cultures and civilizations have contributed to lapidary techniques. Uh, the different types of gemstones, we can use rarer ones that have different properties and characteristics, and those are all uh, needed to be looked at in order to be able to cut them properly and polish them properly. And, of course, there's many famous gemstones and stories that uh, we tell on the podcast. Some of them are new, some of them are old, um, so there's a lot of... Uh, mystery and story and history behind many of these gemstones and uh, what led to their popularity. And then we want to really delve into lapidary techniques. We want to talk about the various techniques that are used in lapidary, uh, such as faceting, um, cabochon cutting, which we'll mostly delve into cabochon cutting and uh, talk a little bit about carving. We'll discuss some of the processes of each of these techniques including tips and tricks for achieving some really good results. Uh, just aside from the different gemstones that you can pick are the selection and preparation of these gemstones. So there is an art to getting them ready for cutting and shaping. We'll talk about that. There is also a need to be uh, safety-minded and to maintain our equipment. Safety is very important. Your eyes, your hands things of this sort, you know, breathing, dust, things like this, we have to be very conscious of uh, protecting ourselves from hazards so that we don't get uh, sick and ill and, and disease ourselves. And then also caring for the lapidary equipment. There is things that need to be done to keep this equipment in good shape. Finishing and polishing, this is after uh, you have shaped it, you have prepared the stone for the finishing and polishing. We will walk through steps of finishing and polishing and share some techniques so that you can get a beautiful shine and be able to enhance the gemstone's appearance. Now also lapidary is for many is a hobby, but it can be a business. We'll talk about how people can get started with lapidary as a hobby or even turn it into a business and perhaps provide some ideas and recommendations for learning more. And then we will um, conclude at the end with kind of a round robin on all of that. So let us talk about, first of all, some of the gemstones that are cut and shaped and polished to create these beautiful works of art known as uh, gemstones and in lapidary. Now these are more rare ones. So diamond, of course, is the hardest natural substance on earth, valued for its brilliance and durability. It is primarily used in faceted uh, when it is when lapidary arts are engaged, it is the faceting technique for the jewelry. Usually it ends up being engagement rings and also looks lovely in earrings, tennis bracelets, things of this sort. Ruby it's July. Ruby's a wonderful... July's coming up here, I mean, uh, in next month. Ruby is a red gemstone known for deep color, excellent hardness. It is a type of corundum. It is extremely prized for its vibrant red hue. Rubies can be um, cabochon, but are often faceted to maximize their brilliance and catch the rays of light through the gemstone for rings, necklaces, and bracelets. Sapphires, another variety of corundum, comes in a variety of colors, although blue is the most popular. It's renowned for its durability and brilliance. Sapphires sparkle like nobody's business. They're cut and faceted into engagement rings, pennants, and earrings. Emerald is another one. Uh, emerald can be a little bit brittle. Uh, it is hard 
but it can be brittle and crack uh, at times. You have to be careful. This also is cabochoned or faceted and is in the burl family and treasured for its beautiful, vivid green hue. Using rings, necklaces, and earrings. Amethyst is purple variety of quartz. Pretty widely available. This is something. Also, it is a, a, a great choice for a stone for people who are beginning to facet. Uh, and it also can make beautiful cabochons and beads. Opal. Everybody loves opal. Opal really isn't faceted so much. Uh, it's not impossible. Mexican opal that is uh, orangish kind of all the way through could be faceted. Typically, opal uh, is many colors. Colors of the rainbow, fire opal, things of this sort. Black opal with rainbow iridescent uh, flecks all through it. Vibrant plays of color are make it very desirable and used in rings, necklaces, and earrings. So these are a few examples of precious gemstones that would be used in lapidary, but also uh, the lapidary artist can explore and create with topaz, garnet, aquamarine, and many more. And these also are um, probably, unless they're super spectacular specimens, these are probably going to fall into the precious to semi-precious category. Now, I want to talk about uh, the semi-precious colors. Let's see. To Yes, here we go. Semi-precious. These are gorgeous. Semi-precious is a diverse group of minerals that are used in lapidary to create stunning pieces of jewelry and decorative objects. They may not have the same value or rarity as precious gemstones like our diamonds and rubies. Semi-precious gemstones are cherished for their unique colors, patterns, and affordability. And like we said, amethyst is one that uh, has been set in king's crowns, and that's why we mentioned it with the, the rare precious gemstones. But amethyst is known as a semi-precious gemstone. Beautiful purple can be a pale lilac to a deep violet. That is impressive. It can be faceted, cabochon, beads, or carving. Citrine is a yellow variety of quartz. It is a sunny and vibrant yellow color. It can be canary yellow to a warm, warmer color. It is commonly faceted, but it can be cabochon, used in beads, also in all types of jewelry. Garnets very beautiful. They have reds. There's also green. There's oranges, different varieties and colors of garnets. There's huckleberry garnets. I got a video on collecting huckleberry garnets in Idaho. It is known for its durability. Garnets can be faceted or cabochoned and also be found in beads. Most common color is red. Peridot is a vibrant green, sometimes a yellowish green. The more Green, green it is, the more sought after it is, typically. Olivine is uh, typically a little bit darker, very prized for its color. Sometimes it was mistaken as emerald by those of early antiquity. Peridot is used for lapidary for faceted cuts, cabochons, and beads. can be used in all sorts of jewelry. Here's one of my favorite. It's kind of brittle, so, you know, it's not one to wear every day. I broke mine, but Moonstone. I love Moonstone. There's some beautiful Moonstone available right now, and it's actually kind of gone down in price, in my opinion. Typically white or colorless, but it can be peach, gray. I've seen hues of blue. It does have a, uh, a flashes of light. It seems to glow sometimes. That's why it's called Moonstone. It kind of glows like a moon. There are those that uh, will, as you turn them from side to side, you can see iridescent colors through them. These can make pennants, rings, and earrings. Labradorite is a captivating stone with a display of colors known as Labradorescence. And it also has a play of light with colors of the rainbow, most outstandingly blues, purples, greens, sometimes yellows and oranges can be displayed. 
Um, quite beautiful. Gold also can be seen. This is good for capuchons. You're not going to be facetine, labradorite. So those are a few examples of semi-precious. Now let's talk about rocks. And uh, these are also semi-precious, but these are the ones that most people are going to use in lapidary. You, as a lapidary artisan, will work with various types of rocks and minerals used. Use these to create beautiful objects, not all jewelry. Sometimes it could be making a carving. It could be creating... Um, I made the state of Idaho and put it on a piece of wood. You know, I thought it was very artsy. You could make other items out of it. I made one time I took three slabs and polished them and made a, a envelope holder. You could cut them and make boxes, jewelry boxes or containers out of them. Um, there's all sorts of things you can do. Some of them just polish them and put them as display pieces. That works out good too. So agate, this is very popular. I will talk about agate all the time. Banded agate, we just did a real big uh, special edition podcast on, on agate, especially banded agate and um, fortification agate. It's a type of chalcedony that's known for its beautiful and intricate banding patterns. It comes in a wide range of colors, multiple colors, often cut and polished into cabochons, beads, and decorative objects as well as brooches, pennants, and other jewelry pieces. Jasper, this is more opaque, and it's composed of a microcrystalline quartz, has a wide variety of quartz, including red, brown, yellow, and green, often displays unique patterns. It can have bugs in it with uh, agate in it. There is such a thing as Jasper agate. I did get in a conversation with somebody, but uh, yes, there is such a thing as Jasper agate. That is out there. There's a wide variety of colors of jasper, including red, brown, yellow, green, and often displays unique patterns. Jasper is frequently used in lapidary for cabochon, beads, carving, decorative items. Sometimes people even make uh, big giant marbles out of them. We call them spheres. Um, not spears, but spheres. Petrified wood is another um, rock that you can use for jewelry, a result of fossilization, trees, branches, or wood is replaced with minerals over time and has the texture or structure look of wood, which it has the hardness and durability of a stone, so it can be polished into cabochons, beads, and such. Uh, lapis lazula, this is a beautiful blue rock. It is composed of lazurite, calcite, and pyrite sometimes. The pyrite is a golden sparkles to it. It can have white blotches through it with golden or white flecks of pyrite. Lapis lazula has been used for centuries in jewelry, carvings, ornamental objects, and also used as a color for paint and makeup back in the day. Obsidian is volcanic glass formed by the rapid cooling of lava. Smooth, glassy texture, usually black, but can have brown, green, or other colors depending on its impurities. Obsidian is often used for lapidary for cabochons, beads, artistic carvings, depending on your talents and abilities. That's a good one, too. Um, malachite, beautiful green copper carbonite material known for distinct banded patterns and vibrant greens, sometimes in orbs It's and looking like, like bullseyes or eyeballs. Commonly used in laboratory for cabochons, beads, and carvings. Mal malachite is valued for its unique beauty and often incorporated into jewelry and decorative objects. These rocks provide the lapidary artisan with a diverse pattern or palette of colors, patterns, and textures to create a one-of-a-kind piece. Through cutting, shaping, and polishing, these rocks are transformed into stunning works of art jewelry and decorative items through the use of the lapidary arts. So let's talk a little bit about the tools and equipment that we would use to shape polished gemstones, rocks, and minerals. These are the common ones that you are going to see. Let me get a little swig of coffee here and then we will presume. You gotta have a trim saw. The reason you need a trim saw is you don't have to have a big, what we call slab saw or chop saw. 
if you have a trim saw, you can buy slabs um, at rock and gym and mineral shows. Other rock hounds will have the rocks already slabbed up for you. You can buy these on eBay already slabbed up. They're usually about a quarter inch thick. And the trim saw, you can draw a circle of an oval or a heart if you really want to try something hard. I'd say do several ovals first. Do some circles. Do some triangles. Do And then try hearts last because they're the hardest in my opinion. So the trim saw, you would draw the picture of your shape of your cabochon that you want to do and cut your rocks or gemstones into a manageable piece and leave a little bit around the edges. This uh, trim saw is going to be a small tabletop saw typically with a blade anywhere typically from six inches to 10 inches with a thin diamond edge blade. So the thicker and heavier the blade, the bigger piece of material it's gonna take out of your rock or gem or mineral, so keep that in mind. But the thinner the blade, the less diamonds that are on it, and the more delicate it's going to be. So typically like a four inch, real super thin blade that's less than a 16th of an inch, say, uh, maybe a 32nd of an inch, will be for cutting like small pieces of turquoise and things like that. Bigger blades, uh, six inches and above, a little bit more meat on them, a little bit more thickness, up to uh, eighth to sixteenth inch wide are going to be for cutting your agates and jaspers and bigger bigger stones that you can buy by the pound typically. So you will need that trim saw. Now, if you want to get aggressive, you can get a slab saw. There's drop saws which use um, gravity to push down on the material. These are good for cutting. Um, blocks of rocks, not long, long rocks, but more rounded rocks. It's very good if you are going to prepare a stone for making a sphere. Drop saws are great. But uh, typically, a slab saw will be a bigger saw. You're going to be over 12 inches long or, or wide in diameter, uh, up to 30 inches or more, depending if you get into the commercial saw size. Most people that have a large slab saw or cutting saw will have a 20 to 24 inch saw or maybe up to 30 inch. This saw, the blade is stationary and you will um, mount your rock into a vise uh, by the ends leaving part of the rock to stick out. And then um, a drive will drive the rock slowly into the saw depending on how you set it. You want it to go in slower than faster because you don't want the saw to bind. Same thing when you're using your trim saw. You can look at my videos at Radical Rocks at YouTube and watch how I use a trim saw with my fingers. Um, typically, it's fairly safe if you're an adult and um, or a younger child that's responsible and can listen with some adult supervision. My kids are are seven and 10 and they're able to use a slab saw, no problem. So uh, you can shape your gemstone that way. A cabbing machine, sometimes called a rock grinder or a cabochon grinder. A cabbing machine uh, can be called a cabochon machine. This is used to shape and polish the gemstone into smooth convex shapes known as cabochons. It typically consists of grinding and polishing wheels and even laps, which are a flat surface, that can rotate at different speeds as you adjust, typically, pulleys to make the unit go faster or slower. Some units may have multiple speeds available to go faster or slower. So, when you are doing a cabochon, you will need to either superglue, epoxy, or sometimes we call it um, hot wax dop or hot dop. It's actually like an epoxy that you heat up in a little heating, heating bowl. And um, you would take a little uh, round peg of wood. You would heat up the stone by setting it on part of the, the little, usually it's a little pot where you can throw in this, uh, these sticks of this epoxy. And they have some that melts at different temperatures. You don't want to go too hot. If you're using opal or something like this, 
you would want to use a lower temp uh, epoxy dopping, dopping materials, what it's called. Dopping is the art of sticking the stone to the stick. The stick will hold the stone there so you can start to grind it and shape it and polish it. So I've done a lot of videos on that, but basically after you hold the stone and grind around the edges and get it, let's say you're going to do a oval, you get the oval, the shape that you want. You can take and look at the thickness of the stone, if it's a quarter inch, and possibly divide it in three layers. And those three layers, you want to imagine that this, um, this piece of rock that, that was slabbed, that you've cut and shaped into a nice oval, it's a quarter inch thick, you want to imagine that you're doming the top of it because that is what allows the light to shine off of it and um, make its appearance much more beautiful. The shinier it is with no flat spots, the better looking cabochon you're going to have. So imagine doming this. You don't want to dome it so that the ends are so thin that when you set this cabochon into a piece of jewelry that the ends would crack, but you don't want it so thick that you can't get the bezel that, or, that you're going to use to hold it in the ring, you, you don't want it so thick that the bezel can't wrap around it. So usually what we do is we divide, we make three lines on it, even lines, and we cut uh, it in those layers to be able to take the material and, and kind of uh, slowly dome it to a dome. So when you do it with the rougher 100 grit rock to start with, um, it's going to look pretty rough. But then you start rotating the cabochon on the stick in your hand back and forth, back and forth at about, oh, I don't know, I wouldn't say 180, but maybe a quarter, a quarter of a turn back and forth. And that allows the wheel, as it's hitting the wheel, to make it a rounded shape and smooth it. And you turn it as you do it. And uh, it takes a while to get the knack, but you can watch videos on that. Or better yet, Join a lapidary or rock hounding club or mineral club that has some members that have cabbing machines or the club may even have cabbing machines and do classes so that you can learn, okay? That's how you do it. And then you just keep going down from 100 grit to 250 grit to 600 grit or 400 grit to 600 grit or whatever's available. You just slowly take it down about... 100 to 200 grit at a time and then if you only have a 650 polishing that's good for agates and jaspers but for um, obsidian you're still going to have scratches and stuff so you want to get these really fine fine polishing wheels that can be in the thousands the the actual grit is in the thousands maybe 14,000 so it's very very fine and it will give it a bright gleaming polish Finally, polishing compounds are available. You can use uh, tin oxide or iron oxide on a leather wheel with a little bit of water. I've got videos on that too if you need a visual. And um, also there's ZAM and other ways of putting a final polish on it if needed. Faceting machine. This is what we talked about for our semi-precious stones um, that's one option some of them can be cabochons and most of our precious stones we would want to facet them like a diamond ring a wedding ring right this uh, will put the angles you'll need to have um, a guide for that if you subscribe to rock and gym magazine they used to give a lot of numbers for doing faceting i haven't seen that so much lately but uh they do. They have had them in the past where they give you the actual numbers that you set your machine, the degrees, and the instructions on how to facet these. Classes are also available from different uh, rock hounding and, and mineral clubs around the country and probably even in other countries. So faceting machine is a wonderful way. You have a, a rotating lap. This is just a flat surface that spins. Um, sometimes they use a diamond encrusted uh, plate. It only has, uh, it's a lapping wheel. It has the diamonds only on one side. Or you can even use um, grits to do uh, faceting. It's a lot harder way to do it. I would recommend 
using the, the lapping wheels that have the diamond already in it. And then, aside from faceting machines, we have diamond grinding wheels. Sometimes these are incorporated into your cabbing machine. Sometimes you will buy a separate um, arbor that the wheels would go on or a separate assembly. Usually there's a belt and the motor is attached to the belt and the belt goes around a pulley and there's usually a wheel on, other, on either side where you could have these grinding wheels with a little um, metal underneath it to catch the water and an ability to dump a little water on it. So while you're cutting these, typically these cabbing machines have uh, little valves on the top where you can drip the water on top of the stones because if it's wet, you're not getting dust, you don't have to worry about um, the dust flying and getting into your lung because it's wet and it's just going down the drain in, in a safe fashion. But if you're ever doing any kind of dry sanding, polishing, anything like that, make sure you have a very good dust mask. Make sure you have, um, uh, out, do it outside possibly. Make sure you can, the dust is going away from you. You can, a lot of guys have configured just a cheap fan and uh, put a plastic around their work area and then run um, a, a duck, cheap duck work from the top of that and then fashioned a box and attached the a box out of just cardboard and tape and then attached the the duct to that and cause a vacuum to draw the like when you're grinding on your flat lap if, if you're not using water um, if you're using or if the water's creating a lot of mist you probably don't want to breathe the mist either you could use uh, this fan or something to get that away and you could wear a mask all right, so grinding wheels are great if you have them. It gives you some really good ways of shaping the gemstones very quickly. Um, some people like 80 grit. That's really rough. I'd rather have a 100 and a 200 grit diamond wheel. That is ideal. Uh, 200 grit would be for the softer materials, and the 100 grit would be for like agates and jaspers and things like that. Also, you're going to want to have uh, some sanding and polishing discs. Uh, these are known as laps. We talked about them a little bit for smoothing and polishing gemstones. Some lap units are actually just a flat disc. They're not a spinning wheel, and you can make cabochons out of those very nicely. They pop off, and you have different uh, grits that you can put on there. They work very well. Some use metal or resin. They're embedded sometimes with diamond or other abrasive particles of different grit sizes. Another thing you might want, another piece of equipment as a lapidarius, lapidary artist, is a tumbler. A tumbler, you can buy these at Harbor Freight. You can, they're not that good, but if you just want to try it out, it's some way to get started for, you know, without spending several hundred dollars. You can go to rock and gym shows and look for a used piece of equipment. You can try to look online and find a used piece of equipment, or you can buy something new from a rock shop or one of the lapidary um, distributors. Tumbler will, you put your rocks in there, make sure you put the same kind of rock in there, follow the directions. Don't put uh, soft rocks with hard rocks. I just, I put just one kind of rock in there. It's either gonna be all agate or all jasper or all whatever, it's all, you know, so it's one kind. So you put it in there, you start off with the, the most aggressive grit and then work your way down grit by grit. And it can take weeks and weeks, but in the end, you'll have these beautiful, shiny rocks. A lot of times you can see these, they sell them in the stores. They will have a little display with all these beautifully polished rocks that they will sell for a few dollars. A kid can usually get a little bag full of them or whatnot. Dopping sticks, we talked about that. Those are used in faceting and cabochoning to hold the gemstone, gemstone securely during the cutting and polishing process. Typically made of wood, they can be made of metal. You can use a wax or adhesive on one end to attach the gemstone. Calipers and gauges are very good for precise and precision measurement to measure your gemstone dimensions, angles, and proportions. They ensure accuracy and consistency in gem cutting and shaping. This is very important if you're going to buy findings that are already pre-made. If you're going to make it custom 
and you want to just do it freehand and you have a good eye, you can do it that way too. Or if you want to make an unusual shape. Other things that are part of the equipment is the safety equipment. Gloves, goggles, aprons, we got to have them protect our eyes, hands, and body. Make sure that you don't have any baggy clothing or loose clothing, uh, uh, aprons that's loose or string that's loose. Make sure your hair's tied back if you have long hair or a long beard. Uh, make sure if you have a jacket on that it's buttoned all the way up. Uh, gloves can get caught in moving equipment. Clothing can get caught in moving equipment. So be very careful. People lose members this way or get damaged very, very seriously. These are just a few examples of tools and equipment used for lapidary that I've given you. There are many different varieties and techniques that you can use. This is the basics um, of what it is. Always follow the safety guidelines when doing it. Now, let's talk about lapidary a little bit more. Lapidary encompasses a variety of techniques that are used to cut, shape, polish gemstones, rocks, and minerals. And here are some of the commonly used lapidary techniques. So we've talked about some of the equipment, but let's talk about sawing. Sawing is a process of cutting the gemstones and the rocks using a trim saw or a slab saw. It involves carefully guiding the material along the blade to create the desired shape or to slice it into manageable pieces. Again, I have given some uh, videos on how to anchor the rock securely. You want to grab it and pull it and make sure that it will not move. Sometimes anchoring a rock for sawing, you need to grind a flat spot on it first. You need to make sure that uh, the anchor point isn't going to chip the rock um, that it probably has some sort of a padding between the metal and the rock that uh, would take a little bit of the imperfections out of it so that, you know, um, like a hard wood is good, not a soft wood that would crack and split, but a very, very hard wood or even a hard plastic piece can be used in the vise to help hold it while sawing. Make sure it isn't going to spin and flip up. Make sure it isn't going to push too hard. Make sure that you have plenty of liquid. You can use cutting fluids to ease water in cutting. These can be purchased at rock and mineral shops or online. Grinding, again, is the initial shaping process that removes the excess material from the gemstone or rock. Typically done using the grinding wheel or laps with a variety of grit sizes to achieve the desired shape and smoothness. Shaping is the process that involves refining the rough form of the gemstone rock into the desired shape or design. It can be done through grinding, using grinding wheels, laps, even a dremel can be used to create specific outlines, curves, or facets. You can even use it for carving. Cabochon cutting, again, is the cutting technique used to shape a gemstone into a smooth, convex shape known as a cabochon. It involves grinding and shaping the material to achieve the desired profile, followed by a polish to create a smooth domed surface. Faceting is a precise technique used to cut flat polished surfaces known as facets on gemstones. It involves using a faceting machine with a rotating lap and a mechanical arm to control the gemstone's position and create specific angles and facets. Sanding and polishing techniques are a crucial step in lapidary to achieve a smooth and luxurious or smooth finish on gemstones and rocks. It involves using sanding discs, laps, with progressively finer grit sizes to remove scratches and imperfections and achieve a polished surface. Tumbling, again, is a technique used to polish and smooth rocks and minerals even metal jewelry components. It involves placing the material into a tumbler along with abrasive grit and water and or polishing compounds and allowing them to tumble and rub against each other resulting in a polished finish. Carving and engraving techniques are used to create intricate designs and patterns or sculptures on gemstones or rocks. It involves using specialized tools such as rotary tools like a Dremel with a diamond or carbide 
burrs and bits to remove material and create the desired shapes or details. So these are some of the fundamental techniques used in lapidary. Depending on your desired outcome, lapidary artisans will employ additional techniques or combinations of techniques to bring out the natural beauty of the materials they work with. The specific techniques can vary depending on the lapidary project and the desired result. So how do we prepare our gemstone? This is a very important step in lapidary to ensure that the gemstone is ready for cutting, shaping, and polishing. Here are some of the key aspects of gemstone preparation. Selection. We got to choose the right gemstone. We want one with good color, clarity, and durability. We want to consider the intended use. Is it jewelry? Is it decorative? Or is it just for artistic purposes? Is it clean? We need to clean the gemstone and clean the area around it. Remove the dirts and oils and debris. If you cut with an oil saw, you will need to let this soak in a kitty litter and then wash it with mild, maybe possibly warm soapy water and a soft brush to get rid of the oil. You don't want the oil to heat inside and cause an imperfection in the stone. You want to inspect these gemstones carefully for cracks, fractures, or inclusions that might affect the cutting and shaping process. If you have a bubble there and there's water in it, it could break the stone. If you have a crack, it could continue to crack and break the stone. Pay attention to natural cleavage planes. Know the fracture of your material, and that means if it were to break, how does it break? What's its weakest spot? Look at it. See if there's any areas that might require extra cushioning or caution for your finished project or for the lapidary work itself. Marking the gemstone with a wax pencil. You can use a brass uh, piece of metal, aluminum piece of metal, felt pen, even a pencil might work to indicate where you're going to make your cuts, your shapes, and so far, how they're going to be created when you do that. The rough preparation. If you're working with rough gemstone material, it may be necessary to prepare it before further shaping. This can involve using a saw or chisel to remove excess material, creating a more manageable piece for further lapidary work. And you could even use your grinding wheel to grind off bad stuff if you can do it safely. Remember, if you have a larger piece of rock and you're in the grinding wheel, it could push down and catch your hand between um, the bottom of the metal or the pan that's under it to catch the water. And that would be very painful and possibly injure you quite severely. Dopping. So dopping is a technique where the gemstone is attached to a dop stick or a holder using a wax or an adhesive. It allows for better control and stability during shaping and cutting process, especially in faceting. So you want to plan everything out. Plan the shape, the cuts, the facets, whatever you're going to do. Plan it first before you begin any lapidary work. Consider the gemstone's natural features, such as color, zoning, or inclusions, and how they can be incorporated into the final design. Maybe this uh, little inclusion will look real pretty if it was right in the middle of the stone, or maybe it needs to be off to the side. Think about it. Try to plan. By properly preparing the gemstone before starting lapidary work, you'll ensure that the gemstone is in optimal condition for cutting, shaping, and polishing. That will help you achieve the desired outcome and minimize the risk of damage during the lapidary process. So lapidary involves working with various tools and materials, so safety precautions and maintenance are essential, and that's why we're repeating it. Here are some important considerations for lapidary safety and maintenance. Personal protective equipment, also known as PPE, always wear safe fitting, clear goggles, glasses that are appropriate for impact from flying debris, dust, and fragment. Use gloves to protect your hands from cuts and abrasions, especially when handling sharp gemstone edges or when grinding and cutting tools. Sometimes you have to be careful near the grinder because a glove can get caught into things too, so use discretion. Wear a mask or a respirator to avoid inhaling fine dust particles generated during 
grinding and polishing, especially if it's dry. Workplace safety. Ensure your lapidary workspace is well ventilated to minimize dust and fume inhalation. Consider using a local exhaust system working near or, o- or by an open window. Keep your workspace clean and organized, free of clutter. Properly illuminated, use sturdy workbenches or tables. Provide a stable service for your lapidary equipment. Tool safety is another one. Familiarize yourself with operating your tools safely. Use the guidelines for each lapidary tool and equipment that you use. Ensure that all tools and equipment are in good working condition before use. Inspect the blades, spin them around, look at them. The grinding wheel and other components for any signs of wear, damage, looseness, or if it's bent. Use tools and equipment only for their intended purpose and within their recommended operating parameters. When changing blades or grinding wheels, make sure the equipment is turned off and disconnected from the power or unplugged. Handling and cutting safely. You want to handle gemstones and lapidary materials with care to avoid Injury. Some gemstones may have sharp edges or points. When cutting or shaping gemstones, work slowly and steadily. Apply gentle, even pressure. Avoid excessive force. It could cause a material to shatter or break unexpectedly and fly off into your forehead. Use appropriate techniques and guides to ensure accurate cuts and minimize the risk of accidents. Guides are often available with some grinding wheels. Also, they're available for trim saws to be able to guide the thickness or the length of the cut. Maintenance. Regularly inspect, clean, and maintain your lapidary tools and equipment according to manufacturer's instruction. Wipe and replace worn out, damaged blades, grinding wheels, and other consumable parts. Keep your cutting and polishing surfaces clean to maintain optimal performance. Continue to listen to my podcasts over and over again. Go to a rock club. Hang out with someone that does lapidary. Buy a book. Get a subscription to Lapidary Rock and Gym Magazine. That's education and training. Gain proper education and training in lapidary techniques and safety practices before attempting these complex projects. Consider attending workshop courses, joining the clubs for the experience that I can't, I can't reiterate that enough. I can't emphasize that enough. Safety is always a top priority. Working around lapidary can be very safe if you follow the guidelines, if you're careful, if you maintain your equipment, if you pay attention to what you're doing, you can minimize the risk of accidents and injuries. Lapidary can be pursued as both a hobby and as a business. One or the other. Let me get a swig of water and we will go into lapidary as a hobby and a business. Lapidary as a hobby. This is probably where most people fit in. They engage in lapidary as a rewarding and creative hobby. It allows individuals to work with beautiful gemstones, rocks, and minerals and transform them into beautiful, unique pieces of art or jewelry. As a hobby, lapidary offers a way to relax, express creativity, and connect with nature if you're going rock hounding, which you got to do that, keep you young. You'll be able, most rock hounders are in their 80s and they're still out there traipsing across the desert. It keeps you young. Rock, hounds, rock hounders don't die, they petrify. I'm telling you, it's a great, a great hobby. It can be very fulfilling pastime. Provide a sense of accomplishment when you create a personalized gemstone creation. People love it. People are going to seek out your creations as gifts. People will probably even, at some point, if you make enough capuchons, it's happened to me, people will offer to pay you to make them lapidary art items. Lapidary as a hobby allows individuals to learn and develop skills in cutting, shaping, and polishing gemstones while exploring geological and mineralogical aspects of the minerals and materials they work with. It can be an enjoyable way to connect with other lapidary enthusiasts through workshops, classes, club lapidary um, activities where members share knowledge, experiences, and showcase their creations. And they trade rocks with one another a lot of times. So that's kind of the hobby in a nutshell. Now, lapidary as a business. 
Lapidary can be pursued as a business. Individuals can create and sell their lapidary creations. You can do it just by making cabochons, or you can go another level and do wire wrapping or silversmithing, or even go with gold or other exotic metals and minerals. Customers love these items. As a business, lapidary artisans may specialize in various areas such as creating custom jewelry pieces, crafting decorative objects, supplying gemstones to jewelry makers, or offering lapidary services like cutting, shaping, and polishing gemstones for clients. Running a lapidary business involves not only the artistic and technical skills of lapidary work, but also the aspects of entrepreneurship such as marketing, managing inventory, pricing, and customer relations. Lapidary artisans may sell their products through various channels, including online platforms, craft fairs, jewelry stores, or establishing their own physical store or studio. So whether you pursue it as a hobby, a business, whatever it is, Lapidary offers a wonderful opportunity for you to express your creativity and Appreciate the natural beauty of materials, connect with others that have the same love of rocks and gemstones, and you can do this as a business or a hobby. So, in review, um, we talked about lapidary, we talked about its significance, the history of lapidary, we didn't talk about that much, but uh, people have been using stones and rocks since the beginning of time. Native Americans and uh, Native cultures around the world until uh, jewels were learned to be more uh, exotic in ancient, uh, well, medieval uh, European times. We think of gemstones being faceted to the modern techniques of today. The types of gemstones are huge in variety from rare precious gemstones to rocks, gems, and minerals. They're all available for you to pick and choose from. Lapidary tools and equipment, we talked about the basics, the basic understanding of how to use them. We talked about basic techniques such as faceting, cutting, and, carv and carving, and also um, cabochoning. The selection and preparation, making sure that your gemstone's in good condition, trying to visualize how it's going to look when it's done. We talked about lapidary safety and maintenance. This is key and important to keep yourself safe and your machinery working for you for a long time. Finally, finishing and polishing. We talked about polishing techniques and types of polishes that can be used. And then we went over lapidary as a hobby or a business. So I wanna thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this special edition all about lapidary and um, Please share and um, join our social media, and we appreciate you stopping by. Until next time, remember, rockhounds don't die, they petrify.